When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. This is the top talk radio station in these United States. So it's a great privilege for me to have the opportunity to speak to you every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. And by the way, I was also privileged today to do the last hour of the Larry Kudlow Show. Larry was on a well-deserved vacation. So I want to pick up uh, on where we left off, I was talking to Monica Crowley and I was talking to John Fund uh, a few minutes ago about this whole issue of you're, this is so crazy. This is so lunatic. You're not going to believe it is true. But the California regulators want to make it illegal, illegal to purchase a car after I believe it's the year 2035, which is in like, you know, 10, 12 years that, uh, Every car that is purchased in California must be an electric vehicle. <laughs> I'm not making this up. They're going to tell you what kind of car you have to have to buy. It's like the old joke Henry Ford used to say when he first invented and rolled off the assembly lines, those old Model Ts, uh, and he was asked uh, about the color, uh, what color the car came in, and he said, you um, – he said something like, uh, you could get it in any color you want as long as it's black. <laughs> and that's where we are with these uh, these insane uh, regulators who have drunk the Kool-Aid of climate change that somehow we're going to change the planet by making forcing everyone to buy an electric vehicle. Incidentally, I have nothing against electric vehicles. I, I bet a lot of you listening to this show right now uh, have electric vehicles, uh, a Tesla. They're great. Automobiles, um, I, I, again, I, I think they're fantastic technologies, but um, I believe in freedom of choice. <laughs> I believe everybody should be able to buy what kind of car they want to buy. And the market is speaking. Only 5% of the cars that have been purchased in the last three months are electric vehicles. That means 19 out of 20 cars that people are buying are the old-fashioned gas combustion engines. And incidentally, there's a reason for this. There's a reason that for the last hundred years, we've been using gasoline, not batteries. And that's because gasoline is a better fuel for cars than batteries. That's how we evolved into these markets using gasoline. Gasoline is a great fuel for transportation. They want to get rid of it. And my friend John Fund was saying that now Washington State, too, <laughs> wants to abolish automobiles as well. And first of all, 70% of the uh, batteries and the materials for the batteries are made in, guess what country? Not the U.S. of A in China. 
we are playing right into the hands of our bitterest enemy right now. Uh, China is laughing behind our back, as Donald Trump would say, by these lunatic policies. Um, that means, you know, you're not going to be able to go to the auto dealership, you know, 12 years from now, uh, if you live in California, Washington. And my, mark my words, New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and other blue states are probably right behind California. And they're going to say, you have to buy this car, not that car. This is America. <laughs> This is America where we allow people to make their own choices and the government's now trying to tell you what kind of car you can buy. Now, my friend John Fun said earlier on the show, well, you know, this isn't going to work because there's not enough batteries and so on. But what they're going to do is they're going to just keep driving up the cost of buying a car so that people have to use mass transit because that's their agenda. They don't want people in cars. They hate cars. The left has always hated cars because they give people freedom of mobility. And they can't keep track of people, excuse me, they can't keep track of where people are if they're in a car. But if you're in a bus or a transit rail system, they can keep track of where you are. Um, and so this is a really dangerous thing, folks. Pay attention to what these liberals are doing. Um, I want to switch subjects for a minute then and talk about what the Fed did yesterday, because this is a money show. And most of you know that the Fed uh, Ch Chairman Jerome Powell gave a very hawkish statement, finally, on inflation. I have not been the biggest fan of Jerome Powell, um, but he finally said, look, we're going to take whatever actions need to be taken to bring this inflation down to 2%. And bravo, I'm clapping. That's By the way, I've been saying that for nine or 10 months. I've been saying on Larry Kudlow's show, on Fox News, on this station, that the Fed has been way behind the curve. They allowed this inflation to fester. It was exactly a year ago when Jerome Powell said inflation was transitory and it's going to go away on its own and it's not such a big problem. And of course, it got worse and worse and worse till we had nine and a half percent inflation. We've gotten some good news yesterday on the inflation numbers. They did improve. So we're now at um, about six and a half to seven percent inflation, which is a big improvement over nine and a half percent, but it's still way too high. And so what happened was the market crashed. The stock market crashed by a thousand points on the Dow yesterday after Jerome Powell made his announcement. Why is that? And I'm going to give you folks the answer to that question. The reason the Dow crashed is because Wall Street is addicted like crack cocaine to low interest rates. They don't want the Fed to raise rates because they want the cheap money, because the cheap money goes in the stock market and blah, 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 and you create these bubbles. And I'm here to tell you, we've got to do two or three things to get inflation under control. Number one, the Fed does have to reduce the amount of money in the system, uh, because when you have inflation, that means you just have too many dollar bills out there that are being printed by the federal uh, treasury and the printing process. But more importantly, we have to stimulate the growth of the economy, the private sector, through pro-growth initiatives like producing a more American oil and gas by bringing our taxes down, by reducing the regulations on our businesses so they can prosper and hire more workers and produce everything from steel to technology to automobiles to um, construction and homes and all of these things. And that's the second thing we have to do. And the third thing, maybe the most important thing right away, is the federal government under Joe Biden and Chucky e. Schumer of New York, by the way, and um, Nancy Pelosi 
have got to stop spending and borrowing so much damn money. Four trillion. Four zero 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 is how much Joe Biden and Chucky Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have spent and borrowed in the last 20 months. And by the way, that's on top of the $6 trillion they already put in the budget. This is like the cherry on top of the Sunday, Folks, if we keep this up, you all know this, we are going to bankrupt this great country of ours. Uh, that's why, among many reasons, this insane idea that we're going to put another half a trillion dollars of borrowing into the system by forgiving people on their student loans. There are a hundred reasons why that's a terrible idea. And incidentally, I want to hear from folks at the bottom of the hour on uh, the more money hotline, because we're going to discuss, does this policy of forgiving student loans make any sense to you? And if you say yes, please call in, please, please, please call in. I want to hear a defense of this policy because I don't see any rationale for it whatsoever, but maybe you have a good reason for why we should forgive people for student loans who people refuse to pay their loans. That more money hotline is 1-800-848-9222. Let me say that again. And, and call in at the bottom of the hour because that's when I'll get to your calls. 1-800-848-9222. But we are now on $4 trillion of spending. We've got a, uh, a situation where we've got out of control uh, um, spending and borrowing. But then also we have this issue now of ceding control of our energy markets to what I've called the axis of evil. China, Russia. And Iran, three of our greatest enemies, three of the countries that present not just an economic um, threat to America, but much more importantly, a national security threat to America, we're arming them. We're putting money into their pockets with this idea that we're not going to produce American oil and gas and coal, which we have more of than any other country in the world. And so what's going on here, folks, I talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to reiterate this. So uh, China, which has been growing at a very rapid pace, and they're communists, they want to take over the world with the totalitarian form of government with no freedom. They're taking over the coal industry. According to a new report, if we kill our coal industry like Biden's trying to do, China will be producing five times as much coal as the United States in five years, five times more. They're going to have command over the coal market. Coal is an essential form of energy. We're not going to do away with coal. Coal is still a third of world use of energy. So why are we doing that? We have the we have much cleaner coal, by the way. If, if you're an environmentalist, you don't want the coal coming from Russia and China. They don't have any environmental standards at all. We do. We have clean coal. They have dirty coal. Second of all, Russia, they're taking over the natural gas and the oil markets in Europe. And by the way, they're saying, oh, we're going to have to re do some uh, uh, some uh, fixes on the uh, pi pipeline there. And so, therefore, they're slowing the flow of natural gas to Germany and France and Spain. And that means their prices are going through the roof in terms of what they're paying for energy. We don't want to go in that direction, folks. We don't want to be reliable on these uh, on these other countries. And then OPEC countries like um Iran are love and life because we're not producing their oil. We should be. We have a report coming out at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity by Casey Mulligan, one of the top economists in the country, and myself. We estimate we'd be producing 3 million more barrels of oil a day, a day, 
if we didn't um, have this uh, war on American energy by Biden, that means we wouldn't have to draw down our strategic petroleum reserve. And we were producing $300 million worth of more economic output a day, a day, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. You know, do the math. That's a hundred billion dollars. We're losing a year because of these crazy climate change policies. I am sick of it. Of course, we want a clean environment, but we have to have a healthy economy. We have to retain America's position as the global economic leader. Um, we're going to take a, a brief break right now. Then as I, when I come back, I'm going to do my interview with uh, the Paynes, um, because Ryan and Bob Payne, because they're the two of the best of the business and finances. So I want to give you some advice about how you can make money in the markets. And then at the bottom of the hour, please call in on the More Money Hotline, 1-800-848-9222. Tell me if you agree with Biden's policy on loan, quote, forgiveness for student loans. I think it's cockamamie. I think it's crazy, but I want to hear from you. This is the More Money Show on WABC. Your health is important. Your sexual health is very important. And like everything else, it has challenges. As many as 50% of men over 50 have sexual-related difficulties like ED, low testosterone, and low energy. That's where they come in. Elevate Wellness has real, professional, and in-person solutions. Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Or visit elevatewellnessgroup.com and get back to where it started. Office visits, only $99 this month. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in America. I hope you're having a great weekend. And, of course, as always, my guests to talk about the financial situation are Bob and Ryan. Payne, who are the best in the business from Payne Capital Management. Gentlemen, thanks again for joining me. Great to be here, Steve. Boy, is there a lot to talk about. Uh, let's start with <laughs> the sure. most recent news about inflation. Um, we are, I guess, as you guys predicted, seeing that inflation rate come down mercifully. It's still, uh, you know, we still have year over year about 6 to 7% inflation, but the number really seems to have stabilized over the last couple of months. What, what do you think is going on? Well, you know, some Steve, uh, some analysts have said they think they see peak inflation, um, but we had, you know, Jerome Powell speak uh, yesterday at 10 a.m., and he basically, you know, gave the indication he's going to do whatever he can to beat inflation. So I think now the markets are going to be focused on recession, Steve, instead of inflation. So you you uh, regard what uh, what Chairman Powell said as a kind of hawkish statement on inflation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was but really I mean, hawkish, and it um, – you know, he, he just he just warned there's going to be a lot of pain coming. But, of course, at the end of it, he said it's going to be data dependent. We have a CPI number coming out, you know, between now and when the Fed meets again. So I think it's, uh, it's really going to be data dependent, as he said all along. The markets didn't like it yesterday. Are you predicting 75, 50 basis points? What do you think is the next move? <laughs> Well, it really depends on the day. Um, you know, yeah, the, those right. <laughs> the, the betting on, on where rates are going to be. Can change by the hour. So I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, I think you're uh -huh. going to hear this weekend more like a 0.75% or 75 basis point move. But, you know, to Bob's point, we still have a lot of critical data coming in that, you know, when we find out what's going on with the labor market, which is still yeah. extremely hot. Um, you know, I was driving up to, to Newport this weekend to hang with the family 
And man, oh man, at every rest stop, there wasn't anyone serving coffee. There wasn't any yeah. convenience store. It took me four different convenience stores to find someone that was actually working, get a cup of coffee. So I think that that labor market is going to continue to stay hot when we see the labor report next month. And, and again, it looks like CPI or inflation should continue to come down. That could really skew or change the Fed's opinion by the time September rolls around. So I'm not quite sure it's a foregone conclusion they're going to be that hawkish yet. Yeah, we, we still have a very strong dollar, uh, especially obviously relative to other currencies. So that is making the imports that come into the United States cheaper. And that's also having a, a, a you know, positive impact in terms of keeping inflation down. Um, but I worry a little bit about what's happening in the rest of the world. China's economy slowed down a lot. Europe seems to be a disaster case. Do you worry that, you know, the, um, that that kind of could have a contagion effect and affect the economy here? I really don't, Steve. I think that, uh, you know, we're the best you know, house in a bad neighborhood right now. Um, and with China, you know, they don't really have an inflation problem. They have to stimulate yeah. their economy. I saw a statistic the other day that said that since 1964, this should be the first year that the U.S.'s GDP is going to be better than China's. Now, of course, we can't trust anything that China says. We don't know <laughs> if that's actually the case. Yeah, no, it's just true. But, it's, so uh, true. you know, they, the China did announce a huge stimulus this week, you know, to, about the tune of $146 billion to stimulate their economy, and they did cut interest rates earlier in the week. So China could be the engine of recovery. Uh, you know, for the rest of the world. So, you know, your guys' um, motto is be bullish. And I love that optimism um, <laughs> from both of you. So, Ryan, uh, I, I see you say that on Fox News all the time. Um, is this a good time to be bullish? I think it is. I think it is. I mean, you know, the market obviously has had a huge run up since the middle of June. Now we're getting a lot of volatility here in the short term. But if you look out the big picture, Steve, I mean, markets recovered significantly. Um, and again, you know, we've really never had a recession with unemployment coming down. And I think, you know, the wrong narrative out there is the employment market's going to soften. I just don't believe that's going to happen. I mean, you have an aging population. Baby boomers are going to continue to retire. Um, we know we still have a plethora of jobs out there in the tune of like 10.8 million job openings. Um, and furthermore, you know, we we're joking about this, but you know, you're hearing about this 87,000 IRS agents. That mm -hmm. the uh, the IRS going to hire? Where are they going to find those people? <laughs> you know, it's going to be yeah, virtually right. impossible to find those people. So I think as long as inflation can continue, continues to come down, which we think it is, and employment stays strong, which clearly it is, um, you know, the economy is going to have a softer landing that I think is anticipated. And stocks are on sale right now. You know, they're still great value, and you can't right. sit in cash. You know, with inflation higher, it's the worst place to be. You've got to get invested here, 100. percent So, do you worry at all about the um, because there is this labor shortage? And you're right; you, you still see so many help wanted signs, uh, and it does take longer to get food at a restaurant, doesn't it? These days, than it used to, because there's so many fewer people working in the kitchen. But um, that that and that raises the question uh, of whether we're talking about a situation with. Um, with a kind of wage push inflation. Um, is that something to worry about? Yeah, Steve, I think it's a concern, but it's not a certainty. And, yeah. you know, your question was, is it a good time to invest? And I think the beauty of more money every week, we talk about investing, mm -hmm. right? And the return mm -hmm. from your portfolio isn't just growth, it's growth and income. So we just had an announcement this week that global dividends hit a record in the second quarter, right? And they're expected to go up again this year. So you have dividends with stocks on sale that you can lock in. The bond market is not reacting 
as if the Fed's going to keep increasing rates, going to have a huge impact because the bond market is barely moving. So you have a 3% 10-year, and you're able to get close to 4% in global dividends. I think it's a sweet spot for investors, the kind of listeners we have on more money. Great point. I'm, I'm talking to Ryan and Bob Payne of uh, Payne Financial Capital Management. Uh, gentlemen, give, please give your uh, the uh, number for the consultation that you provide each week. Yep, we keep 10 slots open. If you saved over a million dollars for retirement, just call or text us at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, and we'll do a full holistic review. So we have two minutes left. Uh, I want to talk about the other, the sector that people are starting to get worried about and get your guys' reaction to it, uh, which is obviously the housing market, where we're we're seeing a definite slowdown. Now, of course, the last few years has been one of the biggest housing booms we've ever seen. Um, how worried should we be about a housing slowdown in, in terms of how that might affect the overall economy? And do you see this yeah. slowdown continuing, or is it just a blip? I think it's more of a blip. I mean, the Fed obviously raised interest rates to slow or cool off the economy. It's working. Um, and you're hearing all the numbers out now, like, you know, slowing how ho- slowest housing starts in like 20 years. Um, you know, every, every headline is really negative, but I think it's been anticipated because we knew with 5% interest rates and higher construction costs that had to slow down the production of right. homes and people, you know, definitely second guessing when they buy. But I think the reality of it is you might see a price adjustment there. But again, it's demographics. Keep coming back to it. We've got the largest cohort in the US. That's millennials, like 80 million right. people. They all need homes. We have an undersupply of homes. This is not 2009 when we had an you know, economic crash and there was right. way too much supply. That's still not the problem. So I think you may get a slowing here, but it's only going to slow so much because demand behind this housing market is huge. Uh, well, you've just given the best new- news I've heard in a week, which is that sounds like my millennial son may be soon moving out of my basement. <laughs> I know, that'd, be, that'd be a wonderful thing. Uh, you can only so, hope, Steve. <laughs> so one last thing on the way out then. Um, Bob, you know, uh, the, the big variable that's affecting the housing right now is the mortgage rate, which is, what, a five and, five and a half, I guess, nationally. How do you see that moving? Because obviously a higher mortgage rate slows down housing. Yeah, I think we all have to remember that the Federal Reserve controls short-term rates, overnight rates, and what I call the bond gods, you know, control long-term rates. And mortgages are based mostly on the 10-year treasury. And the 10-year treasury Mm -hmm. was much higher a month ago than it is today. We know the Fed's going to raise rates at the September meeting. Everybody knows it, but the bond market's telling us something that everybody doesn't seem to know that rates don't look like they're going to go much higher. So, you know, in, in terms of affordability, Steve, when you and I bought our first home, we were paying three to 400% more in interest. I mean, yeah. the rates today look like a bargain to me. Yeah, although the, the prices were a lot lower. <laughs> too. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess a lot lower. Home, it's great. <laughs> All right, I well, that something is, I uh, found uh, interesting uh, on, the, on the way uh, up to Newport on my drive up, banks are now yeah. offering 40-year mortgages to try and accommodate wow. buyers. So I don't know if I want that a 40-year mortgage, but that's, uh, that's right a up, right up it's a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Bob and, uh, Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. You're listening to the More Money Show, uh, and we will be right back on Talk Radio WABC. If you're suffering from ED, you're not alone. 60% of men over 60 have this problem. Help is out there. The professionals at Elevate Wellness can help you be the man you used to be. They've helped thousands 
thousands of patients and have a 96% success rate. What are you waiting for? Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Your first visit is only $99. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Help is out there. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Talk Radio 77 WABC. If you're thinking to yourself right now, you'd like to get a second opinion on what you're doing right now. You need to get invested. You need a game plan for retirement. Here's your shot to do it. We leave 10 slots open for the entire show. If you saved over a million dollars for retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally do a deep dive on everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. In fact, we're going to build you your own personalized financial portal to give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture. And we're going to hone in on every issue you have to address today. We're going to look at income. You need an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? Well, there's hundreds of ways to take Social Security. One right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio? We're going to show you how to optimize your portfolio for income so you can draw from it, but not run out of money. Factor in inflation over the rest of your life, a full holistic income plan. We're going to look at diversification. Have you gotten hit hard here as the markets are all over the place this year? Extremely volatile. Is your portfolio protected? Or are you sitting in cash, earning zero on your money as inflation is at a 40-year high, paralysis by analysis with what to do? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at taxes and fees. No one likes to pay more taxes than they have to. We're going to show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. And we're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own. Show where those hidden costs are on those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products. Show you how to reduce that cost, optimize the portfolio for taxes, our full tax playbook. Then we're going to tie it all together in one total financial master plan and determine the most important question. Are you going to outlive your money? Is your money going to outlive you? We've got 10 slots if you have over a million dollars saved for retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation for this service, no cost, no strings attached, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call right now, 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, our boutique firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, and over the billion dollars that we we manage, you know, we find that it can be very difficult to decide on that financial independence date or that retirement date, you know, depending on what euphemism you want to use. Um, so I thought we could talk a little bit about how do you determine the best way to pick that date, how to do it and how to finally say, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to live off my portfolio and I'm going to do it comfortably. You know, Rye, I always say you have to invest based on process over event planning. In other words, You need to have a strategy. You need to have a plan, a context for number one, what does money mean to you and why do you need to save it? And why do you even actually have to make a return? So picking a certain age or a certain dollar amount, you know, it's kind of a fool's errand because, you know, the goalposts tend to keep getting moved forward and backwards and (laughs) further away and it gets very frustrating. 
Well, it's tricky because there's a lot of the keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's like, well, my neighbors, they've saved this much or they're, they're going to need this amount of money. You know, and maybe if you talk about your finances at all, but for you, it's got to be very, very unique. So I agree with you. You know, you have to really determine what your goals are specifically, not what someone else's goals are. And it's kind of like the reverse engineering because my, my biggest pet peeve is like, well, when I have $3 million, that'll be enough to retire. You don't really know, right? Cause you've got to factor in inflation. You've got to factor in. Social security, you've got to factor in all these other variables, healthcare costs. So the only way to figure that out is, again, is you got to, you got to start backwards, right? You got to figure out what you want and then you can determine how much money you actually need. Well, you know, Ryan, that's why you have to do it because of the environment we're in. You know, this is the type of environment where if you don't have a plan, you don't have a context for why you're saving. This is where you make the gigantic lifetime mistakes that you can't recover from. You know, you, you stop saving in your, your 401k or your 529 plans or your investment plans because you want to wait and see what happens, right? You're not happy with the performance of the portfolio. That's nothing to do with achieving your financial goals. It's all about, you know, having that plan in place so that you can take advantage of the volatility and make smart decisions as opposed to, you know, just throwing money at the problem or stop throwing money at the problem, waiting for somebody to wave the flag, yeah. or push the button or, you know, hit the bell. It's time. You know, it's always time if you have a plan based on you and your family's goals. Yeah, well, it's a good point because a lot of us are sitting in cash right now trying to figure out what to do and cash is detrimental to your long-term goals, right? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. So if you started retiring, you know, this year, you started retiring last year too. Well, in 20 years, you're going to need double what you need today just to do what you're doing today. And every day you sit in cash earning nothing, you're getting a huge negative return. And that's a problem, right? That's why you've got to be proactive and you got to start to look at, okay, what are my goals? Because you might need to be invested today. It might not even be a choice, right? And I think that's the biggest problem is if our investment strategy is not dictated by our goals, then to your point, Bob, you, you might maybe you sell out right now when the markets are volatile, or maybe you sit with too much cash earning nothing as the clock's ticking and every day you're making that problem worse. And that's why, you know, Rye, I learned from you that you need to have a financial partner. You need to have a trusted advisor um, because just take what you asked today. You know, it wasn't about when is it safe to retire? When is it safe to be financially independent? Now, I found out from you that I am financially independent, but that I can't retire because <laughs> you like having me hang around. And so well, <laughs> when you're working and it's not and it's a hobby and it's not work any longer, you can enjoy it or you can say, hey, I'm done with it. So it's all about being financially independent. Forget about retirement. Forget that term. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, it doesn't. And if you did leave, I'd be sad, Dad. So I like having you to work with you. So you can't, you can never retire, but that's another story altogether. But you know, the other question is, you know, like just know, is it finding out maybe you can't retire right now? Maybe you have to work a couple more years, but it's better to know than not know. And I'll say most of the time, and we probably look at 50 portfolios a month, you know, we probably review more financial plans for people than anyone else maybe in the industry. And what I find is a lot of times you're pleasantly surprised, right? You have all this anticipation about like, am I going to run out of money? Am I saving enough? But by sitting down and actually modeling it out, and that's the beautiful thing about software today, right? Is we can model all this out and we can look at lots of different scenarios. You can get a real clear picture of where you are. You know, maybe you're already there. You know, maybe you can even work less. I met with a woman the other day and she said, man, I only want to go to 57 and she's 55 today. And I said, well, you can leave today if you want to. And she goes, really? I said, yeah, look, I mean, we run the numbers and she had saved enough that she could actually do it. So it's just, it's just better to know, or, you know, you still have a, a gap there. What do you need to fill that gap? How much more do you need to save? How many more, more years do you have to work 
it's better to know than not to know. You know, Ra, you know, I spend half the year in what you've told me is affectionately called heaven's waiting room um, down in Naples, Florida. <laughs> and, and you know what I run into all the time are individuals who lived a lot longer than they thought they were going to live. And they didn't have a plan. And thank goodness they have a family to support them because they've run out of money. So, you know, it's real. We're living longer. You have health care that's better. You're going to have a, um, you know, a higher expenses when it comes to, you know, your health care. So you really need to plan more than ever today. It's something that uh, you have to anticipate living longer, living better, having a great time. Let's make certain it's there. You need that plan to keep you on track. That's my kind of plan, Bob. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like this is exactly what I need. I need to address all these issues. I've been putting it by the wayside. Here's your shot to do it. We have five slots left. We're going to keep them open for the rest of the show. If you saved over a million dollars for retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. We'll do, we'll go through everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front at no cost. We will literally build you your own personalized financial portal. So we can get a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and we can model out every scenario you want to look at. We're going to look at that income plan. When that paycheck stops, how do you draw from your portfolio? How do you take social security? We're going to show you how to optimize the income on your portfolio. Take social security, factor in inflation so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life, a full comprehensive income plan. We're going to look at diversification. Have you gotten hit hard here as markets are volatile? Did you have more risk than you thought you had? Or are you just sitting in cash trying to figure out what to do paralysis by analysis as you're earning nothing while inflation is at a 40-year high? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and income. Wall Street just loves to sell you products at high fees and are very tax inefficient. We're going to go through every investment you own, a deep dive, show you all the hidden costs on your portfolio, show you how to reduce that cost on those annuities, mutual funds, insurance products and optimize your portfolio. It's not what you make, it's what you take. Give you our full tax playbook so you're paying less in taxes. Then we're gonna tie it all together in one total financial master plan and determine, are you gonna outlive your money? Is your money gonna outlive you? We've got five slots left to be over a million dollars saved for retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. 6692 or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help to create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no strings attached. You won't have a plan. You don't text or call 844 752 6692, that's 844 752 6692, or just simply call 844 Plan NYC, that's 844 PLAN NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob, check out our firm, Payne Capital Management. We're a boutique firm with offices in New York, Jacksonville, Florida, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Just simply go to bebullish.com, that's bebullish.com. You can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth, learn more about what our firm does. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 
40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973-354-2276. Or elevatewellnessgroup.com. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, it was more like the nightmare on Elm Street as the market suffered its worst week since June with the Dow down 4.3%, while the S&P 500 fell 3.4%. The markets declined in response to Fed Chair Jerome Powell's speech on Friday from Jackson Hole that was shorter and more hawkish than expected. He disappointed investors' hope of a Fed pivot, that the Fed would soon pause its tightening and might even lower interest rates next year. The market took the Fed's message to heart, despite more evidence that the Federal Reserve's efforts against inflation are actually gaining traction. Earlier Friday, the Fed's favored way to measure inflation, the Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index, or PCE, showed that core prices rose only one-tenth of one percent month over month in July. That was down from six-tenths of one percent rate in June. And confirmed data from the Consumer Price Index released earlier in August that showed Price pressures flattening. The real fear appears not to be about the size of the next height. Will it be 50 or 75 basis points or even about peak inflation? But really, it's about when the hikes will stop and how long rates will stay high. The Fed didn't pivot, but the focus of investors did from the fear of inflation to the fear of a recession. Perhaps the fear of a recession is why stocks drop, while treasury bonds actually were virtually unchanged. Bond investors' attention now turns to August unemployment report, set for release next Friday. And all eyes will be on the next update on inflation on September 13th in the form of August CPI number. It could make for a rocky ride from now to the next Fed meeting on September 2nd. Now, one slice of good news for investors like us was second quarter dividend payouts rose 11.3% globally to $545 billion. That's an all-time high. And with stock prices dropping, as my former colleague Brad Beetle, also known as the Beetle Maniac, used to say, yields are rising nicely. Now, my son Ryan and I, we have 68 years of combined industry experience of helping investors like you build low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752. 752-6692 or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. It's a beautiful Saturday afternoon all over the East Coast. I hope everyone gets out and enjoys this wonderful sunshine and warm weather. And it's not too warm, thank God, after the huge heat wave we had. So uh, please get out and uh, go for a bike ride or go for a walk in Central Park or just get out and enjoy the fresh air. That's one of the greatest uh, ways to stay healthy. Um, all right. I'm angry about something. Before we get to our callers, and we have some on already that I'll get to in a minute, our uh, More Money Hotline, of course, is 1-800-848-9222. That's 
WABC. Um, and I want to ask you about, I'm taking calls on whether you agree or disagree with this um, decision by President Biden to, quote, forgive, unquote, uh, people on their, uh, who have not paid back their student loans. I think it's absurd, but if you can talk me out of that, I'd love to hear from you. Um, but I want to bring in, bring up two quick things before we get to your calls. Number one, uh, I'm so mad at the U.S. Tennis Association. I'm a huge tennis fan. Every year I go to the great U.S. Open there in New York City. Um, and um, I don't understand the logic of not letting uh, Djokovic, the best tennis player, or one of the two best, he and Nadal, um, why isn't he playing in the U.S. Open? Because he hasn't gotten vaccinated? The evidence is clear right now that people who have not been vaccinated are just as likely to uh, spread the virus as people who have been vaccinated. So there's no public health risk from Djokovic playing. Why? Why isn't he? It, it's it's just an affront to tennis. It's uh, It's going to spoil in a large way, this year's U.S. Open for the millions of us who enjoy tennis. And then one other quick thing. I see that this is going to be Serena Williams' swan song. A uh, big article about her in the Wall Street Journal today on the back page of the front section. And I've always been a Serena fan. I don't always like her behavior, but my God, what a winner she is. I mean, and, and not because she's win, but she's one of these people like Michael Jordan uh, who play, or uh you know, Tom Brady, who the bigger the moment, the better they play. And uh, she has nerves of steel. She's an amazing, amazing athlete. She has won. Let me see here. It's 23 Grand Slam titles. 23. What an amazing privilege it has been to watch Serena Williams. And again, I don't know. Sometimes her behavior, uh, uh, you know, in in uh, the U.S. Open, that was a couple, couple of years ago. She didn't act very well, but uh, she's an amazing story. And, uh, you know, in terms of the men's tennis, you know, we're, it, it, I say this sadly, we're coming to the end of an era of the three greatest tennis players of all time in Roger Federer, uh, Djokovic, and Nadal. Luckily, we'll have a few more years of them left, although it looks like Federer is done. So that's sad to me because I've been privileged in my lifetime to watch these three spectacular tennis players go to war with each other. And I hate to see that end. I want to see Nadal and Djokovic in the finals of the U S open. So I'm, I'm upset about that. Okay. But let's get back to economics uh, because that's what this show is about. It's about your money. Uh, I'm asking people, what do you think about Joe Biden's decision to say to people, it's okay if you don't pay your student loan back because we're going to forgive it. I think it's un-American. I think it rewards bad behavior. I think we're one of the reasons that America is great is because we have individual responsibility. The government doesn't bail you out every time you make a bad decision. You enjoy the fruits of your labor, but you have to suffer the consequences of your decisions as well. Nobody put a gun to people's head and said, you have to take out a student loan. You signed on the dotted line. You should be responsible. You should pay back those debts. If you don't believe that, if you have, if you side with the president on this, I want to hear from you. 1-800-848-922. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. 
visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Mr. Producer, let's go to the calls. Who is our first caller? Our first caller is John from Hudson County, New Jersey. John, thanks so much for calling. Do you agree with what uh, President Biden is doing on student loans? Um, I disagree with it. And my perspective comes from somebody that I myself have student loans out there, thirty, forty thousand. Um, Where did you go to college? I went to a culinary school. Okay, got it. And I struggled with addiction, uh, and in turn, I've not paid student loans. And like you said, it's our responsibility to go ahead and do that. Um, and I've worked in places in Hoboken at bars and stuff like that. And I see these kids yeah. going out there; they complain about student loans, but they have no problem with dropping two or three hundred dollars <laughs> on a bar. So did you say, sir, that you act, you've, you've, you've repaid your loans? No, um, you know, unfortunately, I paid them, but not they're not paid off. Um, Are you going to pay them off? That. Still continuing. Um, okay, good. Yeah, I make monthly payments, but, you know, like I said, it's, it's a responsibility that I took on, like you said. And, yeah, I don't agree with him going for the bailout. Yeah, it's great. Great call, John. And uh, good luck with your addiction. We pray for you. Um, and thank you for doing what you can to repay the money that you owe to the taxpayers of the United States. That's a stand up thing to do. So appreciate your call and your honesty. OK, Mr. Uh, Producer, who is our next caller? Our next caller is Ralph, also from New Jersey. <laughs> Ralph from New Jersey. Me, what do you got for us? Yeah, Mr. More, uh, I'm of the opinion that this uh, whole scheme put out there by, and it is nothing more but a scheme put out there by Joseph Biden, uh, reminds me, I'm sure you probably remember that still, the uh, ninja situation with the housing. You remember that one, Steve? I'm sorry, say it again. I couldn't quite hear you. The, the, the housing situation where they go to the bank, they show no income, they show no job, and they get oh, right, of right, yes. money. Yep. Ninja. They call it back at the time Ninja. Yes. Wasn't that the, uh, right? The acronym, Wasn't that right. The, the, yes. Yeah. So how is this any different from that? And may I ask you, Steve, pertaining to the uh, the chips bill and the uh, the inflation uh, bill, because I'm, according to the Wall Street Journal, this is nothing more than a Hail Mary pass to China. So <laughs> yeah, can, can you see some light on that one, Steve, right now? Can you? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you, you make a great point and it's pretty clear to me. Thank you for your call that the reason that, uh, Biden is doing this is for politics. Everything he's doing is about politics is about securing more votes. It's about buying votes, folks. It's about saying to the, you know, two million people or so who haven't repaid their loans. Hey, Uncle Sam's going to pay it for you. Now vote for me. That's graft. That's corruption. I mean, can you imagine if we did that to buy everybody's votes, we'd bankrupt this great country of ours. It should be illegal. And by the way, there's no right that the president has to spend money. If you read the Constitution of these great United States, uh, you will find that in Article 1, it says the power of the purse resides with Congress, not the president. As I said earlier on the show, I think if... Uh, if Donald Trump had tried to do something like this, the left would be in outrage saying, oh, my gosh, he's trying to act like a tyrant, a dictator. He's bypassing Congress. Well, that's exactly what Joe Biden is doing here. But you know what, folks? I think this is going to backfire. I really do. I think people are so upset 
about the unfairness of this. That don't forget, by the way, that half of American workers today never went to college. They didn't have the privilege. They didn't have the money to go to college and they became electricians or they started their own businesses or they uh, became construction workers or they're driving a cab or many, many jobs in this country. Uh, and by the way, I'm not in the, in, in the least um, trying to demean people who don't have college degrees. I think college is very overrated. In fact, I think it's for a lot of people, it's just a waste of money given the curriculums today. So uh, I don't understand why somebody who's making $110,000, $120,000 a year should impose a cost on somebody who's making $75,000 a year who never went to college. I, I just don't see the logic of that. All right, Mr. Producer, who was our next caller? I'll go to Will in Long Island. Will in Long Island, do you support or do you oppose student loan forgiveness? I oppose student loan forgiveness with one minor qualification. Okay. Uh, first of all, this is a financial, uh, fiscal and moral catastrophe. You know, 15 million of the borrowers own less than owe less than $10,000. Are you serious in saying that people who went to college can't pay back less than $10,000? Right. They have to be forgiven that? That's completely insane. It I, is. Look, but, Steve, go back in your uh, experience in Washington. There are three yes. things I can think of off the top of government-developed programs that went totally nuts. Fannie and Freddie going into 2008, yes. yes. multi-employer pension plans that were just yes. in the American Rescue yes. Plan, $80 billion for that, and now student loans. What's the common thread? The government can't legislate in a way that ends up with a successful you know, operating outcome, it seems. So it's just And, and you know what? This, this is a really important point you're making. I'm so glad you brought this up because this doesn't stop with student loans. So what happens when the when the person with a you know a, a mortgage payment that's insured by the government can't make the mortgage? Oh, okay, the government's going to pay for that. You know, I have a big mortgage right now. I, we're having a hard time paying our mortgage. Can I go to the government and have them pay my mortgage for me? <laughs> I'm not rich. I mean, I'm upper middle class, but you know, I make low six figures. Um, so maybe I can get relief. Or and you're right about the uh, the pension funds is the that have been mismanaged. Uh, are those going to be bailed out by Uncle Sam? And by the way, when I say Uncle Sam, I mean me and you and everybody listening to this show who pays taxes, as I think most of us do. We are going to pay for this. That's why I hate this term forgiveness. It's a weasel, it's a weasel word. It's a typical Washington weasel word. We're going to forgive people because, you know, what's the old saying that um, to error is human, but to forgive is divine. Well, in this case, I'm not so sure forgiving is so divine because we're sending just terrible messages. I want to hear from somebody, please, somebody out there who thinks Joe Biden is doing the right thing. I know you're out there, folks, and I'm, I will be totally respectful of your position, but I want to hear a defense of this because we've now had three callers. Each have had very strong arguments about why this is a bad idea. Uh, that number, we got time for a couple more callers. That number is 1-800-848-9222. And incidentally, before I get to our next caller, I want to remind people, a lot of these people are not paying back their student loans. A lot of them have not just college degrees, they have graduate degrees, for God's sakes. You know, so they're... You know, tens and tens and tens and maybe a hundred thousand dollars of debt they've racked up in these supersized educations. They're supposed to make all this money from having all this learnedness and then they default on their loans. 
and they're making more money. They're like the median family income in the United States is around seventy, seventy-two thousand dollars. People are making a hundred thousand dollars. They're asking the others to pay their bills. Um, I don't get it, uh, Mister Producer. Who do we have next? Up next, we have Greg from Long Island. Greg from Long Island, thanks for calling. By the way, before I get to you, I want to encourage some of the women to call in because we've heard all from men so far. So if there are women who want to call in on the 1-800-848-922 number, we're going to move you to the front of the line. Anyway, uh, sir, what have you got for us? Well, I oppose uh, student loan forgiveness because I made a choice to go to school and took loans. And I have to pay off those loans. So why should I have to start paying (laughs) those off to pay off other people's as well? Now, where did you go to school? St. John's. Okay, St. John's. And how old are you now? Now I'm 54. And are you still repaying the loans? Or have you well, paid them off? Getting close to the end, but I, you know, I went <laughs> close to the end. for a long, yeah. long time. And uh, I know a lot yeah. of people do. And, uh, and do you feel, can uh, I just start to interrupt you? Do, you? do you feel like you have a moral obligation to repay that loan? Well, of course. Yeah. Of course. Good, and, good uh, for you. Be- it's like just tax and spend Democrats. Literally, you you hear that your entire life, and now you're seeing it every other day. It's exactly that, and it's literally going to bankrupt the country. And uh, we're heading towards well socialism, and it's frightening. And so, I, I'm so glad you you feel like you have a responsibility, you know, a moral obligation and a legal obligation to repay that loan, because um, I worry that this is just going to have negative effects on um, people's individual sense of individual responsibility. In other words, let me ask you one more question before I let you go. Do you think anybody's ever going to repay a student loan if we start forgiving all the loans? Contractual obligation, which is a basis of capitalism, and if you start yeah. undermining that, which they're doing yes. every other day, you're going to go quickly towards socialism. Let me just mention real quick. I suggest people watch a movie called Brazil. It has Robert De Niro, and it has some chilling, chilling things that we're beginning to see in uh, today's society under this yeah. administration. It's really uh, frightening, actually. Really well put. I love that movie, and you're right. Everyone should watch it. I mean, we are... You said it so well, sir. I mean, we are undermining the whole foundations of capitalism. And, you know, there, there's a moral foundation for capitalism. It doesn't work. Our economy doesn't work if people don't work, at, don't um, act in a moral fashion. I mean, it's so great that you made that point. Okay, Mr. Producer, do we have another caller? Our next caller is Joe from Westchester. Joe, thanks for calling. Do you think that Joe Biden is doing the right thing here? Hi. I don't know if you can hear me, but I can't hear you on the phone. I do. I, I hear you. You you do hear me. Okay. Yes. So, I, I mean, look, I understand our country and I understand our economy and everything. But I think that, and I know that some people don't necessarily agree, but we do need to get a little bit more compassionate than what we have. What I think Biden has done, and I don't know if he'll go through, whether he'll pass through the courts or not, but what he has attempted to do is to automatically impact 43 million people who are in a hole, who are going through these tough times. It impacts um, 20 million where their debt is done. And, you know, I, I hear all this talking about, but we do this 
every single day of our lives. I mean, there's people who get overgrown with the uh, um, credit cards, and the credit cards work with a reduction of it. To me, that's really the way that I view this, right, wrong, um, but that's my view. Wait, hold on. This let me let me just make sure going. I understand. Go ahead. Let me make hold on. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying because I just want to I want to be clear about this. So you you believe that this is a compassionate policy for Joe Biden to to and I, I'm not trying to sneer or say this in any kind of sneering way. I just want to understand your. Do so you think it's a compassionate thing to do to allow people to have that debt forgiven? Listen, it's I think it's to allow a small number of people who are having a hardship. It's not, he's not saying that, you know, he's going to take off a hundred thousand dollars. He's reducing that debt by 10,000. And we do that every day with credit cards. With credit cards. Okay. Good point. Uh, I think there's something to what you say. I still oppose it, but I think you make a good argument, sir. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Mr. Producer, do we have any more callers? We do. Let's go to George in Rockland County. George, is it compassionate? Is it compassionate to relieve the student debt by writing it off? Well, I think it's poppycock. Okay, you know, I think it's nonsense. Okay, when I take yeah. a loan, I'm responsible to repay it, and that's simple. Uh, that's simple. But I just like to remind everybody that AOC. Congresswoman make hundred and seventy four thousand dollars, and she complains right. about uh, paying, uh, you know, her, her loan from. By the <laughs> way, Boston, Boston University, and she was also the president of the student uh, council there. Okay, so that just tells you yes. the caliber of people that goes to those fancy yes. uh, universities here. Okay, and who are the? Just take a look on her, okay? But beside it, I just want to say something else that nobody seems to be touching it, okay? I believe the real reason behind all this uh, loan forgiveness is not so much as the people who will get it, okay? But it's a way of this administration, uh, you know, making sure that some bad, bad loans would be repaid to the financial uh, corporation who loaned them. I think that's the real reason here. I think I think all this thing about, well, we're going to help people, I think it's nonsense. I think it's a way to make sure the financial institutions that are paying for these loans will get some of the money back. What do you think? Okay, okay good, good point. Um, I want to uh, – so we've had some good callers that have given different perspectives on this, so that's why I love listening to you. I learn a lot. Uh, as an economist in Washington to listen to, you know, real people with real jobs and, and real lives, not people in the la-la land of Washington. So thank you for calling in, folks. I want to make one last point in the two minutes we have left. Look, um, I think the people should be on the hook for the unpaid student loans are the colleges themselves, not the taxpayers. Why should somebody who went to Stanford and maybe took out $75,000 of loans um when Stanford has a $40 billion endowment, why should the, why should the taxpayer be on the hook? Let's put, let's make, put the onus on the universities. And that's, that's a way to incentivize the universities, make sure they're giving a good college education that people can make money when they graduate. You're not going to make money if you get a, 
you know, a sociology degree, or you might, but I mean, the point is you're not get, getting any skills that employers need. Uh, you know, this idea of, oh, I've got a gender study degree and all these other things. No, the university should be on the hook here. And I'm going to make one other quick point. Look up College of the Ozarks, folks, if you've never heard of it. That is a school in Missouri, in the uh, mountains of the Ozarks. First, mostly the kids there are first generation um, university uh, students because their parents are farmers or a lot of immigrant, um, you know, first and second generation immigrants. Um, and you know what? The tuition there is zero. You know why? Because the kids work for their education. Hey, what a concept. Why not require every university student to work for 20 hours a week to pay for their education? That's Steve Moore's solution to the student loan crisis. Kids in college should work while they are in school. It should not be the responsibility of the taxpayers. Folks, thanks for listening this week. I hope you have a great, great weekend ahead. And I will be back same time next week on the More Money Show. And this is WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in America. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.